You're listening to Sermons by the Park, the weekly sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepard, and our current sermon series is called A Way Out of No Way. These sermons are drawn from scriptures in the book of Exodus, a book that is all about who God is and who we are in relation to God. It speaks to those moments in our lives when we can feel stuck or uncertain about what comes next. The good news, friends, is God has a word for times like these. Here's this week's message. The first scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter six, verses one through nine. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Will you join me now in a moment of prayer? Let us, let us pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would draw near now, that your spirit would descend upon this place, that you would dwell in our midst to be heard anew. God, we pray that the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of all of our hearts may be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you heard it there in Exodus 6. God said, I shall bring them out by a mighty hand. God said it, and then God did it. God said God would free the Israelites from their bondage, redeem them out of slavery, and so God does. Now, if you listen close, you'll hear that God is not saying something like, hey, Moses, um, tell the people I've heard your cries and, you know, I'm thinking about maybe doing something about that. 
possibly, maybe, someday you'll be free, or something like that. No, it says again and again, the declaration of God is, I will free, I will redeem, I will take, and you shall know that I am the Lord. What does it take to believe in such promises? It says the Israelites, they didn't listen because their spirits had been broken by cruel slavery. So what does it take? What does it take for those assurances of God to break through so that the people could hear and believe in a God who makes a way out of no way? Well, what Exodus seems to indicate to us in the, in the subsequent uh, seven chapters or so is that what it takes is a miracle. Not one miracle, but many miracles. Miracles that bend or even break the normal order of the universe so that we can recognize God's power at work in all things. After God had made this promise to Moses and, and the promise to the people here, The next seven chapters all recount these miraculous events, these great signs and wonders that God does in the land of Egypt. They're often called the ten plagues visited upon Egypt. But one of the things to note over those chapters is that even as Egypt is thrown into chaos by sudden darkness and frogs falling out of the sky and the river turning to blood and all these strange and marvelous things, even then... God preserves the people of Israel. At one point it says, when when the hail came and destroyed the crops, it only came in Egypt and the land of Goshen where the Israelites lived, they saw no hail. And of course, when the final plague came, the one that would take the lives of all of the firstborn sons in Egypt, God told the people how they would be protected, how the spirit of death would pass over them if they trusted and believed and followed God's instructions. And that's really the real miracle in this story. Not all of the crazy wild things that happen, but the fact that when it came down to it, God chose the miserable the broken, the enslaved. God chose their side in spite of the fact that they are so utterly broken in spirit that they cannot even begin to hear that something good could happen to them. God chooses them. God chooses the doubters and indeed delivers them. I wish I had someone who knew that here today that God loves the doubters and the sinners, that God seeks the lost. Where have we heard that before? But then we come to it in Exodus 14. This is the climactic moment in the story of Exodus. And so let's continue to listen for God's word for us here today. I'll be reading most of chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihaharoth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall camp facing it by the sea. 
and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them so that I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his officials were all changed towards the people. They said, what have we done? Letting Israel leave our service. The Egyptians pursued them, all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his chariot drivers and his army. They overtook them there, camped by the sea by Pihaharoth in front of Baal Zephon between Migdal and the sea. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out here to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve them than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you, you lift up your staff and stretch your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them, and I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. And the Egyptians will know, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh." So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned it into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued. They went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and chariot drivers. And at the morning watch, The Lord, from the pillar of fire and cloud, looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw them into a panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with great difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed them into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them, not one of them remained. But the Israelites, they walked on dry ground through the sea, 
the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. And Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and trusted in the Lord and in his servant Moses. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Thanks be to God. I told you, God said God was going to do it. And then God did it. The thing about miracles, though, friends, is that they don't come around all that often. The Israelites had been enslaved for 400 years. The 10 plagues that freed them, they took place over an indeterminate amount of time. As you read the story, it seems like they came one after another, but there's no reason to think that was the case. It could have been years, years. And of course, it'll take another 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. A whole generation will die off before they will reach the promised land. There are a lot of days in the meantime when there are no great signs and no wonders. And in those in-between moments, in those in-between moments, even in this story, we see something develop. We see this insensitivity to God's promises develop. This insensitivity to the presence of God in our midst. Think about the Pharaoh here in this story. Even after all of those terrible plagues, all ten of those plagues have revealed to him how awesome and powerful God is, and he decides to let the Israelites go, even then, he changes his mind. He reverts back to his paranoia. He reverts back to his greed, saying, we can't let our entire slave workforce go. What are we supposed to do? I'm not making the bricks. And so he sends out the chariots in hot pursuit. You see, we should not mistake his letting the people go for a genuine faith. This is just a temporary change in his behavior. It is not a true change of his heart. Many people, when they experience a tragedy, like the Pharaoh did, like like the loss of a child, many people will come and they will believe in God. Tragedy is a great motivator to behave in a different way, to orient ourselves towards the divine, because in tragedy, we, we hope, we hope that there is some greater power at work, because tragedies remind us of our own powerlessness. But of course, embracing that powerlessness is a difficult thing, especially people who have this self-image of being capable, powerful doers themselves. Unless that changes, unless we have a fundamental change of heart in recognition of our powerlessness before tragedy, then what happens? Eventually, people just go back to their usual ways. They follow their own desires instead of seeking out God's will for their lives. And this is what happens with the Israelites as well. 
because, of course, they too saw these mighty works. And they were brought out of Egypt by Moses. They trusted him to lead them to this place, the very spot God had told Moses to bring them, between Migdal and the sea. But when they get there, what do they see? They turn around and they see the Egyptians and all those chariots. So many chariots. Never mind the fact that God put them in this spot. Never mind that God has worked all those signs and wonders. There in that moment between Migdal and the sea, all they see are these Egyptians coming. And they think, well, that's it. We're toast. Would that we had just stayed in Egypt because we are about to start digging our own graves right here between Migdal and the sea. Again, do not mistake a temporary change of behavior for a change of heart. Just because they followed Moses this far does not mean they have been changed. And of course, I doubt that any of us have faced down a whole phalanx of chariots, but I imagine that we all have had our moments like this, when despite how well things have gone for us, we find ourselves in a place, a place where we face a foreboding despair that makes us just want to lie down and and give up like the Israelites do. We all have those moments, both individually and collectively, when we forget, when we forget about the providence and sovereignty of God over our lives. We forget that God created this world and willed it good. We forget that God promised us that God would work all things for our good. But it's not just a matter of forgetfulness. It's a matter of our perspective as well. Lately, I've been taking Brady to uh, rock climbing classes on uh, Friday evenings. Um, And I'm always struck when we walk into the rock climbing gym how uh, tall those walls are. Really tall when you're standing at the bottom of them. Uh, They seem impossibly high to me. And when he scampers up them, I'm just like, sure. More power to you. But the thing about this gym that I like is that it has this mezzanine level where you you can go up a flight of stairs, just a flight of stairs, just like any of these flights of stairs. It's not that far. You go up the stairs, and there's a, a viewing area up there. And from that perspective, it makes all the difference. Now, some of the shorter walls, you're actually looking down on them. And the taller walls, they're, they're at eye level. They don't seem so high after all. And that's what... That's what this story in Exodus is for us. It's a reorientation. Because you see, the Israelites, all they saw were chariots and chariots and chariots. They just saw this onrushing army. But what we see, what we are told, what we hear, are the promises of God. That God has put them in this spot. That God has told them God will deliver We have that perspective. And so we see this God who is our provider and our redeemer. And again, the thing about Moses that makes him different is that he has that perspective too. Because what does he say to the people? Do not be afraid. Stand firm. Watch what God is about to do. 
It goes against every instinct that people would have had in that moment to, to fight or to flee. It's a, it's a recognition, though, that whatever solution the Israelites may have tried to come up with in that moment, it wouldn't have been enough. They would have indeed been destroyed. Moses stands before them, and instead of saying, let's go, let's get ready to fight, we can do this, he says, stand there. Stand firm. And please be quiet. <laughs> I love that part. And then God does. God will, God shall, God does deliver, deliver these people between Migdal and the sea. From that place where there's no way out. But when we shift our perspective, we see that there is always a way out. God makes a way out of no way. And in all these things, it tells us over and over again, God is seeking to win glory over the Egyptians. In chapter 6, God says, I will do these things so that the people will know me and so that they will glorify me. God is doing this for, their own, for God's own glory, first for Israel and then for the Egyptians, indeed for the whole world. The point here is that God is not doing this for the people. God is doing this because this is what God wants to do. God will do what God wants to do. And that's, that's good news, friends. Because it means that in that moment of despair between Migdal and the sea, all those Egyptians coming down are not a problem for the people. They are a problem for God. Because God is seeking God's own purposes here. God is seeking God's own glory. And it's up to God to win the victory. God chose that. Moses tells the people, just stand here. And watch. God will deliver you. And again, I say this is good news because oftentimes when we feel the weight of the world bearing down on us, when we feel like all of our problems have pinned us into a place where we don't know a way out, we need to hear and trust that God is making a way. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress, persecution or famine, or peril or the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's will for us. And that will has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus. Christ died on the cross for us, but on the third day, Christ was raised. On Sunday morning, this very day, Christ was raised to new life, conquering death for us. And Christ continues to draw us towards him to call us into new life. And so that does not just mean that what happens in this moment is surviving that despair. The grace of God in Jesus Christ is about thriving. It's about being more than conquerors. We do not just overcome despair. 
but we thrive out of it. This is not our doing. It is God's doing. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither Pharaoh, nor all those chariots, nor grief, nor sickness, nor, nor a loss of a job, nor the loss of a friend, nor hunger, nor boredom, nor exhaustion, nor depression, nor demons, nor angels, nor rulers, nor racism, nor prejudice, nor anything in heaven and earth, not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can keep God from doing what God will do. And so when we find ourselves between Migdal and the sea, when we find ourselves in times where our wheels are a little bogged down or our hope is absent from us, remember these words. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. See the deliverance that the Lord is accomplishing for you this day. And give thanks to God. Amen. find out more about Union Congregational Church, you can visit our website at www.churchbythepark.org, or you can find us on social media at Church by the Park. Our theme music this week is by Kings Canyon. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen. I hope God's word has blessed you richly. And until we meet again, may God's peace be with you.